and welcome to the Backseat Directors Podcast. This is your host, Andre Hutchins, and you are listening to our second installment of What's Hot with Life of Films. What's Hot is our monthly episode where the movie critics from Life of Films, Ryan and Simon, join me all the way from the UK to recap the biggest movie news of this month and what we think was most relevant coming out of Hollywood. We then finish things up by selecting our favorite movie score from a film that debuted this month. So sit back, relax, grab your favorite beverage, and enjoy the show. What's hot with Life of Films? Ryan and Simon, what's going on, my friends? I'm okay, hey, man. How are you going? Hey, things are great. Things are great. It's uh, 10 a.m. here Sunday morning. What about you guys? <laughs> um, it is quarter quarter past five at the moment here in the UK. Nice. What time? What time do you guys usually eat dinner? Um, mm. I eat dinner. Well, it depends on the weekend. It can be any time, really. It depends on when I'm hungry, but when after work, it's usually about six o'clock. You get a bit of routine on a work day, don't you? Uh, do you guys call? Oh, so because I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember. Do you guys call it dinner? Or do you call it supper? Dinner. It's dinner. Yeah, dinner or tea, definitely. Yeah, it's sort of. Yeah, not supper. No, well, supper's like. Wait, wait, dinner or tea? Is that what you said? Yeah, tea, yeah like tea. tea. It's sort of they're both. I don't know. They're, they're, I think there's there's a tradition and a origin to both of them, but they've sort of amalgamated and it just depends on the preference as to which one you call it but generally it's kind of more of a cuisine the english were weird aren't we english um, yeah, <laughs> yeah because it's like tea is kind of like if you're having your dinner a bit earlier so say like five o'clock i think that falls in like tea time and then dinner's made, i don't know there's a rule of it and i ain't gonna go to yeah. anyone in this podcast but there's some sort of rule of when it's called breakfast brunch lunch tea dinner and it's all like yeah it's i don't know it's dinner for so, me. and then suppers in your slippers when you're 70 yeah. with a cup of oval team you know yeah yeah and someone's feeding at you yeah oh, that's that's good man that is funny so okay so wait so if you say if you say i'm having tea and it's the evening you could also be referring to dinner you yeah. could be yeah oh, okay okay See, my wife and I, we went, we went to the uh, UK for the first time earlier this year, and dude, it, it was, it was so much fun. But like, we, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this place. Um, it, it's in London. It's called Sketch, and it's like this super fancy place where you can actually go have like tea time, right? right so okay. we, we made our reservation for like, I think it was like. 12 noon or maybe like 1 p.m and um you know and so it's it's the whole it's the whole experience i had never done this before like you know out here in the u.s we don't have like you know like tea time or anything like that people drink tea people drink coffee you know it's usually early in the morning or it's later you know at night or something like that but um no man it was like a full-on experience so i i didn't know that if you guys say tea or tea time you might be referring to dinner as well that's, yeah, it's, no, it's that's, a weird one. What I love there, what you did, Andre, is, is a typical thing that, like, American people, like American people, Americans do to English is that, like, they seem to think, and I don't understand you're doing it, but generally the question <laughs> is, it's like, they seem to think that a lot of we know London inside out. And I think I've been to London, like, like we know, like we know like New York. Ten times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I think I've probably been to London like ten times, which is quite a lot of times, because I'm only 25, but it's like they just they just assume that it's like england is just london <laughs> it's like it's just so funny yeah. it's just, everyone's <laughs> assuming it's like you know every inch of london and every side no okay okay well, wait wait what what town do you live in though um we live in leamington spa royal leamington spa should what, i say how far away is that from London? favorite uh two two hour train journey yeah depending on how depending on if you're going to like touristy london it will be like to into like Marlborough Station, you'll be looking at about two hours. I think it is. Okay, okay. So this is this is kind of to put things into perspective, right? So two hours. If I were to drive for two hours in my car, so I, I live in the state of Utah. Utah is just kind of in the mountain area, uh, kind of out west, but more in the mountain area of the United States. If I drive two hours in my car, I'm still in the same state. I'm still in Utah. 
And I, I'm not even close to any other big city. <laughs> That's because you're a state to the size of our country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, we're an island. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we drive two hours, we're still in England. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, and and maybe that's why I think it, it and it's an obvious misconception. Like, so I spent two years living in Argentina, out, out in South America, you know. And when you know when you say you're from the United States, people are like, oh, you know, Los Angeles or New York. You know, they think of the two biggest cities, right? Yeah, mm. yeah. And and I don't live anywhere near those cities, obviously. <laughs> so and, and yeah, I totally get like when people think England, they automatically think London, or even if they just think the UK in general, they think London. <laughs> that's so funny because my awesome. my brother is married from someone to uh, from a woman who's from um, pennsylvania when she came over here she got asked so many times if, if that was where dracula's from <laughs> oh god <laughs> that's quite that's quite terrible isn't it <laughs> oh my goodness you guys this is too much fun man this is too much fun okay, okay. right right okay back okay back Okay, you guys. So, I, dude, I'm absolutely keeping this in the podcast. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, hey, you guys, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to another episode, our second episode of What's Hot. So, let's go ahead and uh, get things going, Ryan and Simon. But I do want to ask you guys. So, since we're coming up on the end of the month, what was your favorite movie from July? Uh, I think this one i think this one's an easy one really as much as there was some good films actually i was in there like world of planet of the apes and uh, spider-man yeah um, oh yeah dunk dunkirk dunkirk was the uh was the easy one i think there's i think there's gonna be many people around that are gonna say dunkirk was their favorite film in july yeah what about you simon yeah i would have to echo it instantly i think um yeah it's, it's pretty it, it speaks for itself it's, it's absolutely fantastic it was uh a different different experience again he's just uh He's done, he's done it again in, in another angle. So, yeah, excellent stuff. Yeah, good stuff, man, good stuff. And I'm, I'm actually I'll, – I'll save my favorite movie from from July for my next episode that I'll do. But um, uh, all right, guys, let's go ahead and uh, move on to our first segment, uh, just one of two segments, and that is Big Movie News. Big Movie News. Okay, and Simon, you are going to kick things off uh, with your big movie news selection from July, and then I'll follow up. So, uh, Simon, the time is yours. Thanks, mate. Um, yeah, so again, uh, on on the sort of to tie in with the the favorite uh, movie of the month being Dunkirk is actually this whole um, Christopher Nolan and Netflix gate. Uh, and uh, I don't know <laughs> Netflix game, you, I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's lovely, isn't it? Um, I don't know if uh, I'm not sure how much you've read about this. In fact, I know you're pretty familiar actually because of the uh, the debate that we ended up having. But we'll get to that. Um, so yeah, it's, it was quite interesting leading up to in dur- you know during the the lead up to the to the release of Dunkirk in the marketing. He um, he regularly got asked about Netflix. Um, I think it was more because they knew they were sort of poking the bear really um, in the sense of, I think people were well aware of his views on it already. And uh, so every time he'd regularly get asked um, about what his views on the streaming service were. And he said, uh, if he, he said that he rarely uses the service. Um, and I assume a guy like him is pretty busy, but when he does get time, he says he prefers to uh, watch um, at home on Blu-rays and things, so he's, uh, you know, that's according to dead, uh, an article I read on Deadline as well, um, and that's just, uh, I think that just speaks volumes, tying in instantly with the whole the way he's um, emphatic about the format, you know, Blu-ray being the highest available at the moment with regard to you know on disc and stuff. So he's heavy involved in the in the format of things, isn't he? How it all looks, um, and then uh, he went on to. I don't know. I had a little. I mean, the name "same day streaming" speaks for itself. But I had to look into what, exactly what it meant, and what it meant was it was obviously they'd release it on in a, in a cinema, but they'd release it release it the same day on Netflix. So he criticised that because he says it takes away from the it sort of all, all you know they're missing a trick. He was basically saying because they're missing it, missing they they're enabling people to watch it at home, and then it's taking away from the the you know the theatrical 
side of it the, the actual occasion going to the cinema the bigger format the bigger screen and whatnot so he, he was heavily critical of that i mean we saw we all saw dunkirk you know it speaks for itself doesn't it right right and uh you know in terms of how good it looked um but there's i think there's many ways to look at this because you've got casual viewers that aren't too fussed about the cinema um so they're going to be open to this because it's um you can just sit home, pop a film. I've got a Netflix subscription, you know, I'm not adverse to it. Um, you know, it's more, I use it more for watching series or films that I've already seen or whatnot. Do you know what I mean? So I'm very, we're all very heavily involved in the cinema experience here, aren't we? Right. But, so I think from a casual viewer's point of view, there's definitely a, a positive there. Um, and as I say, regular visitors from my point of view, but who do watch, um, you know, like to rewatch films or maybe catch a film that, you know, they didn't quite get to see or, or might have been out before they were born. You know, that's that's something you've got to remember as well. Um, and then I think the filmmaker from themselves. So he's obviously heavily involved in the the IMAX side of things and how he likes to shoot. And uh, so from him, his point of view, it is a negative. Do you see what I mean? So. In that respect, there are pros and cons. As I say, I'm not I'm not adverse to it um, at all, but he seems to be very adverse to it, and I suppose that's because of the way he values what he does, because it's a completely different ball game for him, isn't it? Right. He's he's very old school in in that sense. You yeah. Know, he he likes to stick to, I guess, kind of the cinematic tradition, um, and yeah, he's he's just very old school in that way. I think. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and I think uh, I was reading, where did I read it? I think it was, yeah, I've got it here, Vanity Fair. Um, and they say, Nolan's been one of the most high-profile champions of the format, alongside directors like Quentin Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson, who have also pushed for 70 mil screenings of their films. So he's not alone. Right, um, right. And I think that's um, sort of important to be noted. So people like that, you know those names and you know the size of those names it's it's clearly he's got he's got big backing you know yeah so i think I, uh, I, I think um i just to kind of wedge in on that one I, yeah go for it I, i'm on team i'm on the team known on that oh, front of course not just are. because he's <laughs> not just because he's obviously my favorite director and directs my favorite film which anyone that follows a uh, lot films on twitter is probably getting that dark night fed up now but it's it, it's, <laughs> it's it's quite um it, it's just quite obvious what he's saying. And I think um, there was a big Twitter discussion that we had on, wasn't there as well? Do you remember Andre on Twitter? Oh, someone that oh was yes, really, I do. was defending, the, defending the, the cause and kind of calling Nolan a snob, I believe he used. And I think that was, it's a, it's a bit unfair. Don't get me wrong. Like Sai says, I understand the, the culture of, of Netflix. It's, it's good. It's, it's a good thing for, for what it is, but it, it should never, ever act as a replacement for the cinema. Right. I no, think that's has the key times. point, isn't it? That's yeah, the key no, right. Definitely. And there has been times for me, and I'm gonna, I'll am gonna hold my hands up here, where I have said, you know what, sometimes I'd have liked to have watched a film at home because I've had, I have had bad experiences with, with cinemas in regards to there's times where I went to see Logan and they hadn't even checked the sound and it ruined the whole experience for me. Or you got some kids there... Um, I remember at the end of Batman vs Superman, no spoilers, but I went with my girlfriend to show up to see her for the first time, and some kids just literally just spoke throughout the whole of the last half an hour of it, it completely ruined any sort of climax for it. And I could be probably the best bit of the film, as everyone hated it. It was, and there's stuff like that where it's like you're looking forward to a film that can ruin it. But then there's also on the flip side of things that I believe outweighs it, where you go to something like IMAX and you see Dunkirk at IMAX, and you are just absolutely blown away which you will never have that you'll never have that feeling at home so right. it should never it should never be a replacement for for the fear no way at all well and and I know I can speak not just for myself but for you guys as well that there there is a sense of um I don't know just at, at least for me and maybe I just I will just speak for myself then but it, it's just it's just different it, it's it's very different when you see a movie you know in the privacy of your own home or when you go out to the theaters or the cinema to go see a movie. It's just a totally different kind of experience. And I enjoy the the cinema experience. I enjoy leaving my home. I enjoy going there. I enjoy being in, you know, that big building that's housing, you know, so many different other movies and different movies playing at, you know, different times. It's just, I, I like that experience. And I know there are a lot of people that get turned off by it just from what you were saying, 
you know, people talking in the theater, kids being there, kids crying, uh, tickets being expensive, you know, having to pay, having to pay an arm and a leg just to buy a bucket of popcorn, you know? And, uh, Mm -hmm. um, but, but I, I think, I think the pros heavily outweigh the cons, um, you know, for what, what the cinema experience can provide. And, and so I, I too side with Christopher Nolan, not just not just because I like Nolan as a director, but just like you were saying though, Ryan, is that it, it's it's an experience that needs to continue. It needs to not only flourish, but we need to preserve it. Um, and and yeah, the, what Netflix is trying to do, I, I don't think Netflix is trying to put theaters out of business. I, I don't think that's their game. Um, but what they are trying to do, it, it, it's not it's not what Nolan advocates for. And, and just going back to what you were saying about our our Twitter conversation with that one guy who who yeah just called out Nolan and called him a snob um i <laughs> I compared the Netflix experience to fast food and <laughs> uh and he took offense I, I don't think he liked that um but and I stick to my guns i I do think the Netflix experience is fast food i I think what most people use Netflix for is for binge watching, especially with TV shows. You know, mm. you know, if you watch, if you watch a TV show, uh, normally, you know, when it's in its current season, you have to wait. It, it, you, you watch one episode a week. Uh, and sometimes you have to wait more and they'll take a break during the season. You got to wait a few yeah. weeks, you know? Yeah. And so a lot of people, a lot of people prefer the season to run, run its course. Then it's released on Netflix and then they can watch the whole season in, in two days, you know? Yeah. And, and so in that sense, it's very, it's, it's very uh, of the mindset and style of fast food. It's made, it's, you but know, it's not all... necessarily a bad thing, Andre. I, no, I don't no. think that that makes it a bad thing, but because you can like, and it's sound ludicrous now, but like, I love the, like a big Mac burger. It doesn't make it a bad thing. Like I really <laughs> do enjoy that. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just because it's classed as a fast food thing. Doesn't mean that people are going to enjoy it anymore or any less, but it's, no, it's catering exactly. for a different lifestyle, a different type of need at that point. That's all it's catering for. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, McDonald's is not trying to put, you know, the expensive steakhouse out of business and vice versa. It's just, it's two different kinds of platforms. It's two different styles of restaurants and Netflix and cinema. It's just two totally different outlets for how people watch movies. And I don't think one should replace the other. And I hope that's never the case. And so when Netflix says, yeah, we want to, we want to make movies and we want big directors like Christopher Nolan to make a movie and we will release it same day on Netflix as it debuts in the theaters. You know, that's, I don't know. That's a tricky territory that they're, you know, trying to break through in. And even though Netflix, I do view it as kind of fast food for TV shows and movies, they do make quality stuff. You know, the Netflix branded movies or TV shows, you know, they, they've made some really good, you know, quality products. And, uh, but yeah, what, what Christopher Nolan is advocating for and his stance that he's taking on this, I support him. I think it's okay. Well, on the, on the, on the Netflix sort of the original side of things, movies and TV, I think it heavily, from, correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I can see um, or what I have seen, it sort of seems to me that the Netflix original series, are they far outweigh the Netflix original movies in terms of sort of output and, and quality. You've got yes. something like House of Cards, for example. I mean, how how good is that? Yes, it's declined in the last season or two, in term, but, you know, that's because of how big it was in the first place. You know what I mean? Like, it seems to me that the TV series, Daredevil, how good was that? You know, a take on, on, on that character, a character that had previously not been, nothing good had been done with it. It's, it, you know, that, those two, as a, as, a, as an example, were, were great. Absolutely Well, great. yeah, especially, sorry, you bring up Daredevil as well. Is like they tried to make that as a movie, and that's how bad it bombed. And then, obviously, Netflix yeah. have powered that as a series, and now look how massive it is. So it's exactly, bad yeah. to pat on the back left of Netflix to show you that it, it doesn't do all bad stuff. It's just... yeah. It's. I think it's. It's the lines that are being blurred between what Nolan is saying and what Netflix are doing, and I think there is. It, it's. It's. It's a weird one, but I definitely don't think that Nolan should be held in a negative light for what he's saying because as an as an artist, you would want what you're making to be viewed in the best 
possible format. Like, yes. you know what I mean? Like someone who's creating a painting, for example, they're not going to want you to go see the painting for a photo that someone's taken on their phone. <laughs> they're going to want you to go to the gallery and actually yeah, go see are. it. Uh, you know what I mean? And I, that's a nice, sound like a really mad analogy, but it's, so you know I mean, it's intent. It's, it's been made to be viewed in a certain way for it to be appreciated at its, at its most. And that's what yeah. the theater does. Cause it's made for to be seen through on a theater yeah i quite agree a lot and and let's face it someone like nolan is going to have that view because look how he puts his films across this film was absolutely outrageous i said i said um when when i saw it it was art and it so that ties in with what you just said right and also the sound and the visuals were the best thing i've ever seen and why is he therefore not going to have that view because in the first place he's made a film to be portrayed that way mm. so when you've got a film like that he's going to want you to see it in the best way possible um but someone like i don't know say a film like 21 drum street it's a straight up comedy isn't it you know i've yeah. put that purely out of the air as a funny film um and it's it, that, that that doesn't I wouldn't say it doesn't matter how you see it, but they're not going to be as concerned with, you know, the size of the cinema screen, are they? Nolan's gearing it up because he puts you right in the middle of the battle there. And and that is, I think that's absolutely critical to the way in which the film is viewed. It's critical to the experience of the film because that is part of it. You're in the middle of it. And therefore, if you lose out on that, I don't think you'd appreciate it as much. And that's not saying... It's not a good film, but you know, in terms of the narrative and the story, it's based on real events, so it's it hasn't really got one because you don't really need one. So the experience of being in the middle of it is provided by the way in which it's put across. Well, I really Definitely. do think D- Dunkirk is the perfect example because I- imagine when Dunkirk is released, you know, to DVD and Blu-ray, and you just turn it on at home, you know, with your TV. <laughs> It, it it's not the same, right? And it's not going to be the same, but it, it was never meant to be the same though. You know, so, no. so your experience of seeing a movie like Dunkirk in theaters and not just theaters, but on an IMAX screen. And then when it, it's released a video and you watch it at home, it, it's never going to be the same experience, but that's exactly what Nolan's getting at too. And that's the point that you guys have proven is that, yeah. you know, some movies are just made to be experienced, uh, on the cinematic level and some some just really it, it doesn't matter you know, just like you said 21 jump street it, it doesn't matter where you watch it, it the experience is probably going to be the same it is because you, you you know you, you're, you're laughing at that aren't you exactly that? and that's their absolute intent it's not about how it makes you feel and how it looks it's about just having a laugh it's it's, it's good like you say you can laugh at that on the sofa or you can laugh at that in, in a in a in a seat in the cinema so that's fine um so I think they are, they're all, it depends what you value, doesn't it? And I think they're all values that are to be respected. But I think, well, like you said, right, the lines are blurred because then it comes into the whole, well, it's 16 quid to see it in IMAX, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, um, you start bringing in other factors and it's not necessarily fair then, is it? Mm. Hey, so uh, <laughs> did, did, did you guys get blocked from that guy on Twitter? Because I sure did. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, we did. We did. Yeah. I've got I a particular gripe, actually. Yeah, you didn't that. say too much, did you, Si? I, you, you got, you got barred in said... with me and Andre about one. <laughs> yeah, I said, I actually said it. I was talking from my personal account um, because I didn't want to sort of, you know, with the, the, the our account, I didn't want to sort of bang two opinions out. So I was I was in, in on my personal account. And, and so that's why it was funny that Life of Films and my personal account got blocked. It was quite, quite, it was a double header. Yeah, you were double blocked. I could, I could still, yeah. I, I still <laughs> exactly. got a personal account. I could track that guy down. I think it's going yeah. now. But I think uh, the reason I've got I'm going to send him this because... podcast. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, we need to. I think uh, I think the reason I got a gripe, it just it, I, I was put. We were just you know I was putting across facts and 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 etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think he said something along the lines of you know I think that's a, a silly. Oh, it was with it was with regard to Netflix and House of Cards. Remember he said something along the lines of the money spent on House of Cards was uh, uh, you know a fortune etc. And we were basically counted Dunkirk, that. But, yeah. yeah, we counted that saying well Dunkirk's a one off. And Netflix uh, and the House of Cards have been going for yeah. years, five seasons House- at thirteen episodes a time. Yeah, House of- <laughs> yeah, each episode is an hour long. Yeah, is an hour and forty minutes. Well, yeah, yeah, and, so and like, he, yeah, he brought. Give- well, he just he brought that up because I compared it to fast food, and he said, "No, it's not. That's not the same." 
And I, I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like it's an okay comparison still. It's just, it, it's not in I terms of... I thought it was of... a perfect one, Andre. Andre, I thought it was absolutely spot on. Like, generally, I thought it was brilliant. I don't think mm. it necessarily relates to quality or taste per se, but just how you experience it and how you consume it. You know, yeah. ne- Netflix is consumed so quickly um, and on such a regular basis that, you know, you're, you're not going to go out to, you know, an expensive steakhouse and pay for a $50 steak every single night. But everybody loves to go out, you know, yeah. and, and gets, get a Big Mac and fries from McDonald's, you know, on a regular basis. And so that's just what it is access, compared to Netflix. Yes. Yeah. Access. Yes. That's the word, isn't it? It's Absolutely. Access, you know, yes. it's, it is what it is. It's, it takes care of itself, doesn't it? Hey, well, I think this is a great conversation, guys. Simon, did you have anything else from that, or is that about it? Well, no, I'm I, I'm pleased with how it went actually, because the points I was going, uh, you know, I, I was going to bring up were, were brought up anyway, and uh, yeah, I just think just to close on that, you know, ultimately, if there was a film to cause all this um, controversy, if you like, Dunkirk was was that film because it sort of it was the best example of it um you know in terms of how you see it and how you listen to it as well that was important so you know um yeah absolutely brilliant brilliant stuff brilliant film if it's you know if you still if you get a chance go and get yourself to the the biggest screen possible as 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 has been popularly said so yeah excellent hey well i have a question for you guys so um let's say let's say netflix they are able to strike a deal with a big movie, right? And and they're given permission to debut the movie on Netflix as the same day that it debuts in theaters. Let's let's say it's something big like like Justice League. Are you mm-hmm. guys are you guys gonna go pay the money to go see Justice League in theaters on opening day? Or are you gonna save your money because you already pay for your Netflix to, uh, subscription and then you'll just watch Justice League at home? Pay my money. Um, I tell you what, yeah, I not to go. I know we should move on to the next one, but just say like I remember Andre saying the experience of going there, not just a film. Like I love when I go there to catch like me and Si live separately, meet inside there or picking him up, and we go there, and I got another mate of mine who I see like every film with. Like the social side of it is also just as important, and and that experience of going out and doing something and watching a film with a bunch of other people makes the film as well so that that question it doesn't matter what film even if it was the biggest film of the year or something very niche that i wanted to see it will always it will always be at the cinema for me it's like if i'm going to cinema and seeing it seeing it with people that i care about yeah no i i'm with you too if justice league justice league was made available on netflix same day that it comes out to theaters i'm still going to the theaters to see it yeah 100 percent. yeah all right, I'm guys. Still buying a coke <laughs> yeah. for eight million pounds. <laughs> All right, well, Simon, thanks, man. Thanks for your big movie news selection. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and, and take over with my big movie news selection from the month of July. And for me, um, we're going to talk about something that might be near and dear to your guys' heart, uh, just uh, just because of who it is. <laughs> um, but on July 24th. Um, it was announced on the official 007 website that there will be a new James Bond movie and its release date is set for November 8th, 2019. So, gentlemen, we are going to have another James Bond. Um, but but that's no surprise. Uh, I, I, obviously, I mean, the James Bond movies do uh, pretty well in theaters, you know, financially. They bring in quite a bit of money. And so it, it was only a matter of time when we got, um, you know, another James Bond movie. However, the reason why I wanted to select this announcement is because of how it could potentially relate to Daniel Craig. So Daniel Craig, he has been our most recent James Bond, um, starting all the way back with Casino Royale. Do you guys know when uh, Casino Royale was released? Oh, let's take a guess. I'm going to guess. I'm guess. Okay. So this is going to be James. He's done four James Bonds, hasn't he? He's done four. I'm going to go. Right. I'm going to go as far back as 2005 or six. Simon, what about you? It, it, it's six. I'm fairly confident about 2006. Yep, it is 2006. It's been 11 yeah. years, which means, which means, um, so he was 
47 when Spectre came out, which is the most recent one. And that one debuted in 2015. So he'd be 49 right now. So he was like 37 when he was filming for Casino Royale. So uh, he's he's been he's been with the James Bond franchise for quite a while. So yeah, 2006 was the first one. And he's done four. So uh, Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace. Um, oh gosh, why am I blanking on the third one? Skyfall. Uh, Skyfall. Skyfall. Yeah, that's right. Skyfall and uh, then Spectre most recently. So uh, Daniel Craig, he's actually contracted to do five James Bond films. Um, And one of the main reasons why I wanted to add this into uh, my big movie news selection is because of of Daniel Craig's sentiment towards uh, the James Bond character and the James Bond movies. So it, it came out back in 2015 um, when when Spectre was released that that Daniel Craig was he was kind of having issues with him playing James Bond and what and what he saw for his future in the James Bond role. And so I just want to read a couple quotes uh, from an uh, an interview that he had with uh, Time Out magazine in London. So this article, this article was back in. Let me see if I can find the date. Uh, October seventh, two thousand fifteen. And so when he was asked, um, I'm just scrolling down on on the article right now. He said, "Okay." So he was asked in the interview, "Can you imagine doing another Bond movie?" And this was after after Spectre. He said, "Quote: Now, I'd rather break this glass and slash my wrists." No, not at the moment, not at all. That's fine. I'm over it at the moment. We're done. All I want to do is move on. End of quote. And so with this quote, uh, there were a lot of news outlets uh, and entertainment outlets that ran with this quote and I think really took it out of proportions. And so uh, I know I know it is rumored that he was not um, necessarily happy with Spectre. Uh, just because of the success of Skyfall, and so he he felt that he felt that the studios wanted to replicate how successful Skyfall was, and that maybe his role with James Bond should have ended with Skyfall, um, and that Spectre was not going to be able to live up to the expectations that everyone had set because of how awesome Skyfall was. It was the first Bond movie to break the one billion dollar. Uh, mark across the world so no other bond movie had brought in that much money and so financially it was a huge hit Um, but i think critically as well i I think um and i'm probably taking this out of context let me just make sure i want to i want to see at least on imdb um how high um how highly rated skyfall is you guys want to take a guess which which of his four bond movies do you think has the uh, highest rating on imdb um I'm gonna go either Casino Royale or Skyfall. Okay, so let's... I think, I, yeah, I mean Casino Royale is my favorite. Um, I think Casino I think, Royale. I think Skyfall. Um, okay, so I, this is the last one I'm looking at. Um, yeah, so it's actually pretty close. So Casino Royale is the highest rated. It has an eight right now, uh, eight out of ten, and Skyfall has a seven point eight. So they're pretty close together. Um, but when you think about Spectre, though, Spectre actually has a six point eight. So it, it drops off significantly from the status of where Skyfall and Casino Royale are perceived among, you know, among movie fans. And so, um, so yeah, so I, I think I think there were just a lot of rumors going around that, you know, just at least from that one quote that he gave to uh, the Time Out magazine that you know. You know that he he was totally done with with <laughs> with the Bond, um, with playing Bond and just the character in general, um, and and just another things that I <laughs> another thing that I wanted to add and I, I'm not sure if you guys knew this but I think this also added to his uh, maybe his exhaustion or his frustration with with playing Bond is just the physical mm-hmm. toll that it has taken on his body. So in 2000, um, 2008 while filming for Quantum of Solace. He actually had the the tip of one of his fingers severed off. I don't know if if, uh, if you guys knew that. They were able to reattach it, and he had quite a few stitches. Uh, but yeah, it was just an accident while filming. Uh, so he had the tip of his finger removed, um, and then while filming for Spectre, he actually tore 
uh, one of his ligaments in his knee. I think it was his meniscus, uh, but it, it required surgery. You know, so th- these are things that, <laughs> as a pretty well, I, I think a fairly well respected actor, you know, and definitely a highly paid actor goes through. Um, you know, these are. I think things- he has that in, the, in terms of the injury front. I think he has it a lot easier than Harrison Ford, who had like a door fall on him <laughs> on the set of, of Star Wars. <laughs> oh, which gosh, man, that, that was because he's such Disney a freak accident, like though. <laughs> yeah, which sorry, is, carry on. Just when you're saying that, no, no, and, and, and no, I that. totally get it. I totally get it. And which was a crazy accident itself, and has resulted in a huge lawsuit. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys have followed that story. Um, you know, but, just a little bit. But yeah, I, I, you know, as it relates to Daniel Craig though, and other actors, I, I mean these these guys, and especially movies like James Bond movies, these these guys have tons of stunt doubles, right? They, they have people that are supposed to do the hard work for you. You know, while you, you know, you just focus on the acting itself. Um, you know, there are actors out there, of course, like, uh, you know, Tom Cruise, who they, they like to do their own stunts and they know the cost that it's going to, you know, the cost to their own body uh, that it requires for them to be able to do their own stunts. But, you know, for him, though, you know, it, it's been it's been somewhat physically exhausting and just kind of the toll it's taken. And so, yeah. um, however, though, however many rumors there have been for Daniel Craig not playing uh, in the next James Bond movie and him not wanting to do it anymore, um, I found an article from um, the um, oh what's oh the Daily Mail, and I think this is a UK outlet as well. Um, you guys yep. correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. So in the Daily Mail, though, I, I an article that came out in. Uh, September 2015, his it was reported that so the money that he made uh, uh, for Skyfall, he made 17 million pounds, uh, and uh, I'm assuming that's probably roughly 19, 20 million dollars, maybe. Um, mm. So 17 million pounds from Skyfall, but he was able to broker a deal for Spectre, and he doubled his income from Spectre, so he made 31 million pounds from Spectre. And so, wow. uh, so what I've been able to find though is that he is mulling over coming back and fulfilling his contract and playing in the fifth Bond movie. Um, uh, if he does, I think money is definitely going to play a huge factor into it because he's he's going to make more uh, than Spectre if he does come back for his fifth. So if you think about seventeen million pounds from Skyfall, thirty-one million pounds from Spectre, he's going to make a lot of movie if he comes back for his fifth. Um, and it also, it also, this is another thing from that uh, Daily Mail article, was that it was reported that in back in 2015 for Spectre, he was actually the only British actor uh, to make it to the Forbes list of highest paid stars uh, for 2015. So the only British actor, you think about that, it's kind of, in terms of status, that's kind of a status that, that seems pretty uh, rare and unique, at least for actors outside of the United States. Um, and so to to be able to say that you're in that category of some of the highest paid you know British actor probably the highest paid British actor um, that that's that's rare air you know so mm. so yeah it's pretty it seems a pretty big deal uh, particularly considering Brits across the board seem to be doing really well at the moment don't they they're in you know there's, yeah. there's a lot of British um, you know series acting and you know it just seems to be that, yeah that that's that does surprised me somewhat yeah yeah so I, i've got a couple other things to share but i i want to know what you guys think and ryan we'll start with you um just what you guys think of daniel craig you know possibly coming back for a fifth film because it's not announced it, it, the director nor the actor who's going to play james bond has been announced um but what do you think about him coming back for his fifth film and what do you think about him and his performance in the james bond movies and then simon will will have you give your two two cents on it okay cool um well just um so in regards to my opinion the um in the specter i i I was really disappointed with i think um i think daniel craig's had his day he's he's, he's my favorite james bond but you can you you can I I personally felt you could just tell Inspector that that you he just wasn't giving off that vibe that he gave off in Casino Royale and it's just, it's just completely gone now and um, it's going to sound really random but it's um but it, it will it will home back in is I remember something um, when Logan was coming out and I was doing a lot of reading and stuff like that and interviews and and James Mangold um, spoke about. Um, 
was doing an interview with um, Hugh Jackman and they spoke and Hugh Jackman said that the great thing that he loves about James Mangold when he's acting is that no matter how stressful it is, no matter whether it's coming to the end of the day and they need to catch the light and stuff like that or anything like that, James Mangold would make sure that none of the stress or anything like that would ever get to the actors because he knows that if the actors have anything going on in their mind that's not enjoying what they're doing, it will automatically, no matter how good that actor is, whether it's Meryl Streep or anything like that, it will always reflect on what they're doing and the audience will feel it. And I think when he said when he said that, it automatically honed me straight into Daniel Craig because I felt through Spectre that he just wasn't feeling it. And straight off, I, I just I wasn't feeling it. And I remember that was the first time I came out. I was just like, he, he is, he's just not interested in this. And then he says stuff like that, that Andre, that you've just said as well. It just it just it just cemented everything, and so for me, if he if he came back, I I, I wouldn't be really. I'd go see it, of course. I would. It's James Bond and Daniel Craig's awesome, but uh, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be excited for it. And I and I was massively excited for all the other James Bonds, and I was excited for Skyfall, even though Quantum of Solace didn't really do too well. I was excited for Skyfall because I like Daniel Craig, but that Spectre for me was 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 not good. It just generally for me it was it was boring. It, yeah, I can't. I, I don't want to go too much into review on that on that film itself, but I would be very disappointed if he came back. I think it's it's time for to do something new and, and refresh it up. And it's funny enough that obviously Nolan was the first part of our conversation because I know he came out and said that he would he would enjoy directing a Bond film, but it would have to be a complete reshake of, reshape of it. He says they he feels they've got something good going on at the moment, and the only time that he felt that. He would ever be interested in coming in, so not saying that he ever would, would be if they decided to to shake up again like they did when they shook up from from Pierce Brosnan to to Daniel Craig. So that would that would be interesting. But even if Nolan came back, but uh, definitely a reshake shake up is is necessary. Um, and I've got something here, Andrew, which I actually hadn't told you about um, before. This is mine and size, one of mine size best mates called Stephen Robotham. He sent. Um, he, I, we told him that we were going to talk about this in our podcast today, um, and he's like, he is a massive James Bond fan. Like, yeah, combine all three of us Bond together, fan. combine all this together, we still would, I don't think, reach the level of what Bond fan he is. So when we talk about <laughs> James Bond, like he jumped and he was like, oh, please, can you can you put my can you sell say my views?" So he yeah, sent something across, and he's just, he's just sent something across, and um, I'm not massively great on reading stuff out, so forgive me, listeners, in regards if it doesn't completely flow as he's just just sent it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna read it out and try and do him justice. So sorry, Steve, if it doesn't sound too great. But here you go. So but firstly, I'm a huge fan of James Bond novels and films. I can't wait to watch the next installment. I just hope it's a lot better than Spectre. I've enjoyed all the films, the original Sean Connery era, and the more light-hearted Roger Moore era, and the first two films from the Pierce Brosnan. Daniel Craig has done an outstanding job in rebooting the entire series. He has done what Timothy Dalton tried to do in License to Kill and created a more real, flawed human James Bond. However, I'm frustrated and disappointed that they're ahead. They are going to go ahead with Daniel Craig for Bond 25. I feel they should have introduced a younger actor to keep the franchise grounded and credible. Daniel will be 50 years old when it comes to um, the film's premiere. He's simply too old to play James Bond. This is the same mistake they made with Dying the Day. Uh, Pierce Brosnan, who's 49 when it premiered. James Bond is not 50 years old. Um, 50 year old womanized secret agent. Ian Fleming described him being a mid to late 30s youthful but with experience. It's almost as though you're taking the safe bet and sticking with the old formula, simply setting out. Daniel even said that he would rather eat his own arm than make another Bond film. I'm not sure if that's a direct quote, Steve, but well, yeah, that's, that's kind of the quote. Yeah, the, yeah, the quote that I was saying. Yeah. So he's so you can see there, and he's a massive thing that it's not just not just myself, and I'm not sure what side can say, but I'm sure obviously you've similar thoughts that it's just it needs to, yeah, it needs to it needs to be freshened up. So so yeah, that's a, that's just another outside view there from someone who's a big big Bond fan. So I'll pass it over to you now, Sai. Um. Yeah, well, I'm actually not qualified to speak on the Spectre side of things because I was a bit guilty of... Uh, I didn't get around to seeing it upon release and then I uh, I sort of got caught up in the it's not as good as, um, you know, because the, the, I was a massive fan of the trailers. I actually thought it looked really good and Rai wasn't as convinced by the trailers. Um, and then, not, you know, I just didn't actually ha- happen to see it. And I... Uh, um, from a... It seems to be a pattern, though, because if that is true and it isn't, as, as good then you've got Casino Royale which is my favourite one is excellent then Quantum of Solace wasn't so good 
and then you got Skyfall that was excellent, and then you got Spectre, which wasn't so good. So maybe, maybe it could be good um, upon that that sort of almost unrealistic logic. But you know, who knows? But uh, yeah, from being qualified on it in terms of having seen it, I haven't actually got around. You're to a, seeing you're it. a massive Casino Royale fan as well, aren't you? So I generally yeah, like, oh, yeah, well, it's myself. That's something yeah. I know that you hold in high regard. Yeah, it was. It was what I'm. What I am um, particularly fond of, and it must be why of you know the Dark Knights. Um, you know, my favourite film is is the whole, the real take on it all. So you got that grit. You know, this whole. I think a lot of people, a lot of the sort of last generation, have got a gripe with it in terms of how how it's all a bit dark and a bit real and a bit gritty. Those words seem to sort of grate on the, the last generation of, of, of film lovers. Um, because I for, I, for one, am a fan of that. I like the real take on it. So I like the fact that in that film, he was, he was, he wasn't refined. He was a bit more raw with his technique. Um, and, you know, obviously at the start of it, he wasn't even, you know, double O was he? So it's, I, I like that. Um, and for me, so I think that's why it made a made a big difference to me in that respect. But yeah, I think uh, it certainly seems, you know, just by the quote, you know, out of context or not, he's definitely not not as in, enamoured with it as he was. So you know, who knows? Really, it's um, it's definitely an interesting upcoming subject, isn't it? And to, as to how it, how you know, which way it goes, considering also the people that have been rumoured to replace him, you know, that's quite exciting in itself, isn't it? Yeah. And, and there's, I mean, gosh, the rumors are just swirling around, you know, the next James Bond movie. And, you know, I I guess Ryan, just going back to what your, uh, you know, the quote from your friend, um, the reality is money talks and, Mm -hmm. and sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, there's just too much money to turn down. And if that's the case, I, I, I would hope, I would hope that Daniel Craig, just you know goes with his gut instinct if he's tired of being bond if he doesn't want to do it anymore don't do it you know if your heart's not in it don't do it i I think the james bond movies are so um they're they're just so endeared to most people's hearts that you know at least those that love them um you know that they they want they want to see someone who wants to be james bond and in the previous daniel craig james bond movies he wanted to be james bond and you could tell um, and, mm. and I'm with you. Uh, Casino Royale is my favorite Daniel Craig, James Bond movie. And, uh, uh, Skyfall, Skyfall is a very close second for me. Um, but yeah, Spectre, Spectre just did not, it, it just was not on the same level as Skyfall, which is, which is sad. So just one, I guess one last uh, bit of news though, regarding this, uh, Sam Mendez, he's the one that directed Skyfall. He was not planning on directing Spectre, but, uh, Daniel Craig and another load of money from the studios was able to convince Sam Mendes to come back and direct Spectre. Um, but he is not going to be the next um, director for the next James Bond movie. Um, and I think, uh, Ryan, that's why you brought up uh, Christopher Nolan as well, because his name has been thrown into the pot uh, as rumored to be in talks to direct the fifth. Uh, well, I, I say fifth, but uh, fifth, possibly Daniel Craig, James Bond movie. But we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I think... I, I think me personally, I, I think it is ready. Uh, it, it's time for a new actor to take the James Bond role. I think Daniel Craig has been uh, excellent in that role so far. But yeah, four movies in uh, and 11 years later, um, potentially, I guess it would be 13 years later if he does come back in 2019. But um, I, I do think it's time for a new direction. So yeah. All right, guys. I well, think just, just oh, sorry, yeah, just no, to, yeah, just ahead. to add to that. Finally, um, just to add to that, um, I think what also needs to be uh, credit needs to be given to him is how when he was. I don't know if you remember when he was first cast. Nobody was that. You know, people weren't particularly impressed, were they? Because he had that fairer hair, and you know, he didn't look like Bond if you if you uh, right. if you go by the the traditional sense. So then, to sort of have the success in sort of two of the current four films that he's had, you know, Casino Royale and, and Skyfall being the most popular two is something to, to sort of, you know, behold really in the sense that he's won a lot of people over. So then it was, it's sort of a shame to sort of maybe tarnish that, isn't it? You know, go on too long and, and whatnot. So I think a lot of credit needs to be given to him, but then it also works negatively. But at the end of the day, if it's, if it's not going to be Daniel Craig, it's probably going to be Idris Elba, isn't it? Let's be honest. 
That's, yeah, that's yeah, and yeah, that's a fair point. Another sort of uh, complexion change, Contro- yeah, controversial change. Which, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's not gonna. It's, it's, it's a different story entirely, isn't it? It's um, yeah, you know, that's the way of of things these days. People have their views, and and, and it is what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, guys, let's let's uh, okay, let's just wrap things up with big movie news. Simon, thanks for your bit, and uh, um, Cheers, we're. Man. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna finish things off with our next segment and last segment, which is movie score of the month. Movie score of the month. And Ryan, take it away. This time is yours. Awesome. Okay, so anyone that follows me on Twitter knows that I absolutely love Hans Zimmer, and that would probably would be shocked now to tell you that I am not picking him for my month's um, composer, due to the fact generally we like to keep it within the month of films um, that's come out and composed, obviously Hans Zimmer's Dunkirk but I'm I'm actually going to go with something a bit different, I feel like Hans Zimmer will do something a bit better than what he did at Dunkirk a bit later on, and and we'll we'll bring him up later but this month I'm going to I'm going to give the the award if you will, or whatever you to um, Michael Giacchino who who is actually a really 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 good composer and if you take away um, John Williams and Hans Zimmer I think I genuinely think that he's probably a close third up there and I could be maybe even more successful than Hans Zimmer in regards to the awards front which is which is weird but I definitely wouldn't say he's um, more iconic but um, just to give kind of a bit of background on on this on this guy he's um american born uh, which is weird because you wouldn't you wouldn't think so the surname but he is um and he's one of his most recent um scores that he did that really that was quite massive a lot of people would recognize was that he did the incredibles um which he got a grammy nomination for which didn't win but everyone knows the uh the score for incredibles and then later on he did um he did another pixar film which is what won him his first grammy which is for ratatouille which again, um, I f- did have a good score. Um, I don't think he's recognised as Incredibles, but um, I always listen out for good scores, and that is a really good one as well. He uh, did all three of the Star Trek films, um, the the new ones with Chris Pine, which they that score is genuinely brilliant. He then um, won his first Academy Award and his second Grammy for doing another Pixar film with Up. He then also um, took on. Um, the role of um, following John Williams for Jurassic doing the Jurassic World film, and also um, doing being the first composer to um, do a Star Wars film that wasn't John Williams in Rogue One. He also did Spider Man this month as well, which for me I felt wasn't great. I did, in my opinion, I felt like his score was was kind of just a bit of a rehash of the Marvel Studios fanfare. Just it wasn't iconic, especially following Hans Zimmer's one for Amazing Spider-Man. But it, it wasn't bad. Um, but the main reason why I'm picking him this month is because of his, his score that he did for War of the Planet of the Apes. Because generally, I think, Andre, you spoke about it in your review, didn't you, for your podcast, um, his score. Um, he also did, he did it for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes as well. But for the, his score for War for the Man of the Apes is 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 absolutely brilliant. It's a really really it's a really really touching score. Um, my favourite track on there is a track called Exodus Wounds, and I've listened to it a million times. It's got it's got a great melody and a really really good build. And anyone that's listened to it, I recommend that you go and get on your Spotify or your iTunes um, and, and get on this track at least because it is perfect film score. It is it's really good. Um, so that's why I picked him. He's got a few things coming up in regards to doing Incredibles 2 and Jurassic World 2 as well. So as you can see from that massive list, he's he's done really, really well for himself. He's got a really good back, um, back catalogue and he's he's got some really good stuff lined up. But I know that that War for the Planet of the Apes, really, it, it really took me. It was the first thing that I heard um, when I saw that film and I was like, I'll be listening to this as soon as I get help from watching this film. So, so yeah, so so hats off to him, Andre. I know that you are um, a big fan of the uh, War for the Planet of the Apes score. So, is there anything that you want to kind of add to that? Yeah. So this year, I've I've purchased four movie scores or soundtracks this uh, in 2017, which I like to do. I, I like to own my music that uh, that I really like, and so um, I bought uh, the score from King Arthur, which I thought was excellent, just absolutely yeah. excellent. Um, I bought Wonder Woman, I bought Dunkirk, 
obviously Hans Zimmer is a good one. Uh, and I bought War for the Planet of the Apes. And uh, out of these four that I bought, the War for the Planet of the Apes score is my favorite. Um, I- I've listened to the entire score probably uh, 10, 11, 12 times through. Um, it, it, it is just like you said, beautiful. And I don't want to take it away from anything that you've already said. Um, but I, I was thoroughly impressed. Um, it, it just, it, it, for me, when I notice the score of a movie while watching the movie for the first time, that's, that's kind of my first impression that I know it's good. Um, but as good as war of the planet of the apes was, the film score was 10 times better than the movie. <laughs> yeah. And, I agree. Uh, and yeah, I think it's a worthy choice. I, and I was a little bit surprised, uh, a little bit surprised that you went with uh, Michael Giacchino, but um, it's well-deserved. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I think he's, he's really good. This, um, the Star Trek um, score is, is absolutely brilliant as well. It's probably my second favorite thing that he's he's done there. But War, War for the Planet of the Apes. Anyone that's listening to this and they haven't checked out that score, um, just go 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 listen to it. It is it's something that you'll be really really impressed with, and it's it's definitely some of his best work. So so hats off to him. Yeah. So my wife and I we went to uh, Disney World just a couple weeks ago, and at Hollywood Studios, um, they they had a show with a, a live orchestra. Um, and they, it was a Pixar themed show. So it was like, I don't know, it was like 30 or 40 minutes long. And they just chose selections from a bunch of different Pixar movies. And some of the ones that they chose were, uh, were the Incredibles and up. And I didn't realize that Michael Giacchino was the film, uh, the score composer for those movies until I was doing my own research on him just a, a week or so ago. And, and those, those are absolutely beautiful scores and ones that I can still just remember and think of and think in my head. And I haven't seen those movies in years. Um, so yeah, so he's, he's done some incredible work. He really has. Yep, definitely. All right, guys. Uh, well, that's it. That is our, our, uh, what's hot episode for the month of July. Um, so, uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead and wrap things up. Um, Simon, Ryan, I really appreciate your guys' contribution and just, uh, the awesome conversations that we've had today. Um, so, uh, Ryan, why don't you, uh, give the plug for, um, life of films website. And then, uh, Simon, if you want to give the plug for just kind of your social media and, uh, how, uh, our listeners can follow you guys. Okay, cool. So just, yeah, thanks for having us, Andre. I'm a little bit worried that I feel that people, the most enjoyable part of this podcast though, is our, our tea conversation at the start, but, um, <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, keep it light. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so any, um, as anyone is aware, me and, me and Cy are, um, co-creators of Life of Films, where it was just a website where we generally just, just a couple of fans that love films. We go see as many films as we can and, it's a website and that sounds really like everyone else does but generally we, we do want to hear people's opinions we have a place where people can put their own reviews in a guest blog and we push them as well so that people can hear your views out we don't just have that side note we will push them and it's generally yes pop over to lifeoffilms.com and um, come check out what we've got here and if you ever want to write a review about anything then just drop us a note you can get our contact details on there and, and we'll be happy to do it even if you're not the best at writing or anything like that we, me and Sides do a lot of writing and we can help you with that so you can get your views across so definitely pop over to lifefilms.com do some reading do some writing and, and yeah enjoy and sign over to Twitter yeah so um as we've said a few times, it's uh, at life underscore of underscore films. And uh, to coincide with that, we get involved heavily with um, anything from sort of debate to agreement to, uh, you know, stupid gifts, quotes, the whole nine yards. And we, we're yeah. not afraid of uh, we're not afraid of, of any genre or anything. We've got no particular allegiance. Obviously, we, we, we do have our favourites and, and don't we all? But it's, uh, you know, we're happy for the debate. We're happy for the engagement. And we do try and try and speak to, to everybody and, uh, you know, keep keep it coming, really. Like, like Rice said, we want we want people's views and we want to, as I said last time, we want to learn ourselves and we uh, we just we just love it and uh, continue to do so. Yeah, so at, under, uh, sorry, at life underscore of underscore films. And, uh, yeah, see you there. 
Well, thanks, guys. I, I really do appreciate you guys taking the time to come on and uh, do this joint podcast. It, it really is a pleasure, and I really, really love talking movies with you guys. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of What's Hot Today. Um, thank you for downloading today's episode. Uh, make sure to stay up to date with all of our episodes and subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, and really most other uh, any other podcast outlet that you can find. Uh, be sure to leave us a rating on iTunes and let us know what you think of the podcast. And uh, on behalf of Ryan and Simon from Life of Films, this is Andre with Backseat Directors signing out, and we'll see you guys next week at the movies. The Backseat Directors theme song is Let's Go to the Movies by Ozo Motley. You can find the album Ozo Motley Presents Ozo Kids and all of their other music on iTunes. Join the conversation online and follow Backseat Directors on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the BD Podcast.